Aim a Little Higher podcast, episode four. Have the graciousness to to understand your flaws and understand what you don't have, but um, but have the knowledge that those things aren't set in stone and that you you are more than capable of, of changing anything. You are locked into Aim a Little Higher podcast, where we interview inspirational individuals every Monday and Wednesday and answer your questions every Saturday to help turn your potential into results. results. I know you're going to dig this. Introducing your host, he was an Olympic torchbearer. Pete Jones's National Entrepreneur of the Year and motivational speaker, Kamal Hyman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Aim A Little Higher podcast. It's Kamal Hyman here and it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to today's guest. He was nominated for Best Newcomer at the British Comedy Awards in 2009. He's best known for playing Jake in the multi-award winning sitcom Outnumbered. He gained further recognition as a skilled comedian in two series of the BBC family sitcom Cuckoo, which smashed all records for BBC Three ratings. And the third series of Cuckoo is coming in 2016. He also had a guest appearance in the BBC situation comedy Citizen Khan. And it doesn't stop there. Tiger learned his trade as a presenter, and after four successful series as a presenter on CBBC's Friday Download, at the age of 17, he was given his own show, Tiger Takes On. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Tiger Drew Honey. Tiger, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, Kamal. How are you doing? Hey, I'm fantastic, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. That is a pretty impressive intro by, by any standards. Well, you read it very well, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, you've, you've achieved so much already. And, I mean, for the listeners, can you just let them know how old you are? Um, so I'm currently 19, but um, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been very lucky. Awesome, that, that's absolutely amazing. And I think for for listeners listening, this interview would be a great opportunity to not only acknowledge your achievements, but get to know you a little bit more. Uh, because the Aim a Little Higher movement is all about setting solid foundations. You know, we say don't chase your dreams, build them. So can you tell us a bit about your foundation? Like, what were you like as a young child? Um. As a young child, um, I think, I mean, something that sort of always shone through is I was very, very competitive. It wasn't until I got to about 13 that I stopped having tantrums if I um, if I lost things, which isn't, it's not a very good, <laughs> okay. you know, trait to have. But um, I was very, very competitive and used to have tantrums when I was younger. Um, but other than that, I think um, one of the things that I always really enjoyed doing, I used to do it maybe like once or twice a week, was puppet shows. Um, just like to my mum and dad and um, and stuff like that. Um, and if they didn't like them, then I would get um, upset as well. So I think <laughs> when I was younger, my parents, um, yeah, as, as being an only child as well, I think um, I was um, I was a little bit precocious, I guess. And as I got a bit more mature, I realised it's not really the way you should act. Got you, got you. A lot of our listeners will be listening. They're in a situation where they're in college or they're in, you know, doing their GCSEs, and they're sort of like what education route do I take? Do I go down the university route? Do I go down the college route? Do I get an apprenticeship? For you personally, what education route did you take? So um, so I went to um, a primary, co- a primary school and a secondary school. Uh, I ended up leaving um, school after my GCSEs. Um, obviously, I, I was in a position where I had some fantastic opportunities and um, because of how lucky I'd been, I thought, 
um, I'd rather kind of try and pursue um, things in that direction rather than um, stay at school and do my A-levels. So um, I actually, I did my A-levels via sort of homeschooling process um, sort of entirely on my own. I basically uh, bought the textbooks um, and entered the exams at my school and because uh, I didn't really have a tutor or anything, I didn't do uh, very well. So then I didn't do my um, my A twos. Um, I think um, I think when you want to when you know what sort of what you want to do, sometimes it's it's more worth just going for it. And I think I've learned far more um, having been sort of working not necessarily full time, but not being in education since I've been about sixteen. I think I've learned so much more on all the jobs that I've done that that I'm. That are going to help me so much more in where I want to go in the future than any sort of schooling would have done, if you get me. Yeah, it's powerful. So it's more about the life lessons you've learned and kind of being in the real world than when you were at school learning just a the theory. Well, there's exactly that. And also the idea that, you know, I mean, um, I'm basically doing what I want to be doing. And although I want to keep moving up and up and do it on bigger and bigger scales, um, you know, there's a, you know, just from sort of being on set and being in front of cameras and just doing all these different things for so many years, you kind of, you completely, the kind of the science of it becomes ingrained in you. And, um, you know, you can go to film school or or, or, or whatever, but um, I think what's really, really helps me is just actually being given so many opportunities to spend so many times on, or so much time on sets and stuff. Um, that's That's like the best learning process there is, I think. Awesome. So actually learning by getting out there and, and doing it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. 100%. I can vouch for that as well. I mean, after my AS levels, I left and became youth MP for Peebra for the year. But I've always said in that year, I learned so much more about myself and about how the world works than I did in school. Yeah. I'm so sure, I yeah. completely get where you're coming from. So take us back. What was your first job? My first job was... um. A voice uh, job, voiceover for um, an advert. It was an advert for Philips Electronics. It was for a new um, electronic shaver that they had, and um, the there was the clip of this sort of six, seven-year-old boy who um, who got picked up by his dad, who just had a shave, and is the boy like rubs his dad's face and he's like, oh, "Daddy, you're so smooth." <laughs> and um, and yeah, that was my that was my first job. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. And it set a bit of a solid foundation for everything else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have any um, significant or, or surprising achievements that have contributed to your level of success that people, you know, might not immediately think it was a direct link, but over time you saw actually that made a massive difference? Um, I think... I think basically... I, I've got a massive... Um, I've got um, a massive passion for, for languages. Um and I actually ended up doing um, my Spanish GCSE quite a few years early. And then because of that, sort of um, got to learn uh, German as well. And I also um, did Latin. And I, it's just always been one of my, my passions, languages. And um, doing what I do now, I never realised how, how much it actually does help when you're sort of learning to trying to do accents or if you're actually delivering lines in another language or something. Um, I'm really kind of grateful I ended up having such an interest in languages um, because it really has helped me to get where I am, I suppose. Wow, that's a big one for the listeners. Because, you know, when I go around these schools, languages is a subject that often gets a bit of stick. And especially with creatives who are like, oh, you know, I don't really want to do a language. I just want to study the craft, study the craft. So it's really interesting that you've got, what, four different languages. 
and to you they've contributed to your ability to act yeah definitely i mean they it just you know if you um if you've got to do sort of a a scottish accent or something even just the fact that you've maybe exercised your your mouth in in the extent of you know um saying something in spanish just because of it the fact it's a different language it doesn't mean there's not some similar sounds there that kind of help and stuff fantastic so can you take us to the exact moment when you discovered that this was your passion um i think i remember i was pretty much i think i was i was 9 um and it was it was this it was just a school play basically it was um Treasure Island, and I wasn't even the lead. I was like the third or fourth lead, Squire Trelawney. But um, but he he his, he was like the funny character, and he he did like entirely steal the show. I'm not saying that was because of me, but just the way that it was written <laughs> for that that play. Um, it oh, was yeah. basically the lead, even though he didn't have the, the most lines. And um, and I played the part Alan Leslie Phillips. Um, so it's kind of like this. I, um, and I, there was a, I just, I just remember there's so many sort of moments when I, I like, like kind of like did, said a really long line in the audience, just like absolutely cracked up, and I could hear my um, headmaster, Mr. Parfit, with his massive laugh, like, <laughs> literally sounded like that. And, <laughs> that um, laugh that fills the room. And I just, I, I just, I just, it's the first time I'd sort of been on stage in front of loads of people, and they were laughing at what I'd said, and I just felt, felt like, wow, this is, um, it's pretty cool. And and you never lost that kind of passion for it. It's kept going. I mean, you know, obviously when something, you know, I, I have as much passion as I ever have done. But um, but there's, you know, since then, obviously, I've, you know, moved on to do other things. And there's times when I'm stood up in a studio in front of a microphone for eight or nine, eight or nine hours. And I'm like, my feet are killing me. And I'm like struggling to see the the glorious side of it then sometimes but um <laughs> but um but no i i you know I, I do have a massive amount of passion for what i do and i there is somewhere i want to be and i really really think if i keep you know my motivation levels up i think it's within my reach awesome and i think what's really powerful there is the fact that even though you're doing pretty well i mean reading over even just your intro and your bio and your website and you know i've been following you since outnumbered um you're doing pretty well so it's amazing to hear you're not getting complacent at all you're saying you know i'm here this is where i'm at but i've got bigger goals and i'm not going to stop building yeah exactly that's a fantastic mindset to have in fact we met at a, a jimmy carr comedy show yeah we did so um we were in the we were in the queue at the bar the mental queue aren't we? and we um we had a chat Yes, that was, yeah, it was, it was a, a very long, violent queue. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was, it was absolutely awesome. Got to meet your, your dad as well. Yeah. It's a great show as well, wasn't it? So, oh man, he's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Would you ever consider doing stand-up? Um, it's something I, I watch stand-up comedians and I, I have a massive amount of admiration for them. I think, I think I would possibly be, capable of sitting down for a couple of months and writing a stand-up show but I don't I don't think it would come naturally to me I don't think I've got one of those minds to just make up jokes like that um and so I feel if I put enough time into it I could probably write a show and and perform it well but I I don't think it's uh, to be honest I don't think I would be um anywhere near the level of the sort of comedians on the scene today hey over time time. (laughs) so I mean you're you're nine years old you've 
had this passion for for acting after after performing later on you decide you know it's what you want to do for a living what steps did you take to to make that vision a reality um well so basically um funnily enough uh, it was actually after that performance um of that the school play that um there's actually there was actually like a talent scout in the audience who um who kind of spoke to me afterwards um and so i signed i was sort of signed up on her books as a as like a voiceover artist um and um and then it just kind of went from there i just i didn't really know what was going on it was quite exciting i thought i might be doing some some kind of professional work was that um and then gradually she just um you know i had auditions and i just sort of um went for them and i always um even from a young age i was sort of took it seriously i made sure i knew my lines and um i didn't have to look at my script and as and i think um i think it was kind of something that um kind of came naturally um to me i think it is just i think the idea of wanting to to do something well has always been ingrained in me so then when i was being sent to these auditions i thought well you need to do it properly um and i guess that was that and as sooner or later i got a part of the armstrong and miller show and then um i got part and outnumbered and then um and then it went from there really powerful powerful so for you, it was about when opportunities arose or were presented to you, you you did it properly. There were no kind of half-hearted auditions or, or you know, cutting corners and having the script next to you to read from. It was literally, I'm going to learn this, I'm going to learn it with passion and deliver it to the best of my ability, even in that first audition. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that was, I think that's one, of, I think that's key, really, to, to getting where you want to be. Treat even the practices like you would the real thing. Yeah, yeah, without question. And also, I think if, if there are any sort of aspiring actors out there going for auditions and stuff, there is nothing more um, impressive than um, someone who doesn't walk in, you don't even walk into the room with the script, um, if you know what I mean. Like, you, it's not sort of in your hand, you don't put it, it's just literally you, you, you know, you learnt it, you just know it so well that it's just all in your head. You don't even need to look at the script on the way in there or anything. Do you know what I mean? Oh, oh, that's powerful. That's a nugget. That's a golden nugget right there. That was really good. I think it's just it, because it's just, it's just that first impression when just at the moment you walk in and there's nothing in your hand. It's just, I, you know, there's just that to the casting director, the director, the producer. It's just like, oh, he, he cares about this part. Um, he, you know, that's that's what it comes down to. He cares about this part, and I think it gives you a. An advantage from the get go. Wow. Typically, how many actors uh, audition for that same for for one role? I mean, um, it depends on the size of the project. If you're talking um, uh, a Spielberg movie, they'll probably be seeing. Um, oh, I would say, I, I, I mean, I don't even know. I'd say probably five thousand actors. Wow. Um, if, but these are people that have been sort of asked specifically. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be sort of open auditions as well. Where you know, members of the the public will go. Um, I mean, yeah. Sometimes you might I, I might get go for an audition, and they they're pretty sure they want one or two people. Um, and so sometimes it's literally just you're against one person, two person. Um, but generally, I'd say about mid mid range project you'd probably see about twenty or thirty actors. Okay, so if you're going for an audition, there's twenty or thirty actors, and twenty seven of them walk in with a script in their hand. You've already put yourself in that top three with that first impression. Yeah, definitely. That's what you. Yeah, yeah. Powerful, powerful. 
So we're going to go on to our rapid round where I'm literally going to just fire some random questions at you and just answer as honestly as you can. The rapid round. Yeah, wicked. All right. So firstly, what time do you wake up? Um, nine. Nine. Oh, very nice. What's <laughs> one thing you do in the morning to guarantee a productive day? Uh, shower. <laughs> Fair play. Skip the shower. It's not a productive day and you smell. Yeah. <laughs> if you could be any animal, which would you be and why? Probably be a dog because my dog has a wicked life. Just, yeah, he's a wicked life. He just gets like cuddled and fed and has fun. True. True. It's not a stressful life being a dog at all. That's a really good point. No, it's not stressful at all. That's a really good point. I like that answer. What's your favourite dessert? Um, Banoffee pie. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, name one thing you could not go without. Uh, probably going to say my phone. Okay, what phone you got? Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't have a. I don't have a very good phone. I've only got like a, um, like a Sony one. Is but I, I do use my phones like once a month, so I can't. I can't afford to get like iPhones <laughs> and stuff. But, yeah, I understand that. Getting one of those every month will add up pretty quickly. <laughs> so you're at a karaoke bar. What's your go-to song? Um, Sex Bomb. Oh, nice. <laughs> very mm. nice. Very nice. Tell us something most people don't know about you. Um, um, I've said this a couple of times, so I don't know if some people will know it, but I can sell a Rubik's Cube. Really? Mm. How long does it normally take you? About a minute and a half. A Rubik's Cube in a minute and a half? Yeah. <laughs> wow, I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I spent like two months like learning, well, about a month learning how to do it. And I was like about 10. I just literally sat on YouTube for a month and just learned how to do it. So is there, there's an actual science behind it? I mean, I mean, when you get like, like people at the top, top of the game, I remember I saw recently like some 14 year old or something. He um, just broke the record. He'd done it in like four and a half seconds. These people are like wow. connoisseurs. They have like a sort of intense mathematical brain where they can actually understand the least amount of moves that you can get it done in. They, they understand the whole... The, the the intricate me- mechanics of it but for someone like me doing it you basically just have to like solve it in layers you like get one layer done then fill in the pieces and then other pieces and stuff so yeah there's 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 a few steps and you have to learn a few algorithms and stuff but to be honest anyone could do it it's pretty it's, it's relatively simple when you know how but it's a pretty good party trick yeah it's it's quite yeah 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 it's impressed a few people four minutes awesome awesome uh what's your most effective daily habit my most effective daily habit. Um, my most effective daily habit is probably I would say um, if I'm if I'm going to work, I set. I don't know why. I always set my alarm sort of strangely early and lie in bed. I like to lie in bed awake rather than lie in bed asleep. Um, and so I lie in bed awake for like half an hour, um, pretty much without fail if I'm going to work. And it um, it kind of it it's it, it, uh, I don't know just. Helps me kind of, I just think about what I want to happen in the day and um, and yeah, it's quite a quite an effective daily habit. Nice. So going to work, alarm gets set ridiculously early and you just lie there for half an hour kind of going over the day, going over your goals for that day, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Nice. What's your biggest distraction? My biggest distraction, um, my biggest distraction is, um, well, I've got, I've got a relatively, relatively... I would say relatively short attention span, so I do get um, distracted by quite a lot of things. Um, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm reading a script on my phone or something, and a WhatsApp comes up at the top, I will always read the WhatsApp. Um, right. And then, um, 
and then I think oh, I'm meant to be reading a script. Um, so sometimes that um, that is something that I can think of as a distraction. Got you. So is that whole social media thing? Yeah, I do, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. So we're going to go to our time travel question. Now, a time machine is created. It can only take you backwards and can't bring you back, but you keep all the knowledge you have now. It's taken back to your 18th birthday, so not very far for you. <laughs> in fact for you let's say you're 16th let's make it a little bit let's give you kind of three years of knowledge here so it takes you back to your 16th birthday uh, knowing what you know now what are the first three things you would do um well one I think I'd try and train myself to be able to look after my phones and my keys <laughs> um when I was 16 I um that was when I um obviously sort of left school and um maybe I could have um um, just maybe I'm thinking in retrospect, maybe I could have done better in my um, AS levels, but um, I do think I tried my best. I think something I could have done, I did start learning Russian at one point when I was 16, and then I stopped because I got a bit, I don't know, I just lost motivation with it, but I'd love to start doing that again. So if I went back to 16, I'd keep up the, the Russian for my phones. And yeah, I'd have bought a dog earlier because I didn't get um, my dog until I was about 18. And, um, and yeah, he's a little angel, so maybe I'd have got him a bit earlier. Fair enough, fair enough. So train yourself not to lose your phones, try harder on the A-levels and learn Russian, and then get yourself a dog earlier. Sweet. So we've kind of spoke about what you do and how it came about, but what we want to know is why. Why do you do what you do? What gets you up in the morning? What keeps you going kind of so consistently? Um, I guess I do what I do. Um, well, I mean, I, I appreciate every day how lucky I am, and I think, I, you know, I... I'd be an absolute idiot and everyone would hate me if I sort of didn't appreciate, um, you know, my opportunities and take them. Um, but also, I mean, because of the sort of, um, you know, I, I appreciate I have this kind of um, a bit of a fan base and people who, who are interested in my life and want to see my work and stuff. So, you know, you're sort of doing it for those people as well, because, you know, whether or not it you, it's hard to comprehend, you, you realise that you can make people happy. Um, and you can educate people, and um, I think ultimately that's that's definitely um, that's, you know that's definitely why I do it. Powerful, powerful. And for audience members listening who are thinking, "Wow, that's I'd love to get there. I'd love to be doing you know acting and having my own show, being able to present." What are three little habits or three actions they could take now? Um, well, here's one thing that I do, which um, if, if anyone else was sort of in the room with me when I did it, they'd, it would be, they think it was really strange. But um, <laughs> I, um, if I'm on my, I mean, I live on my own and stuff. So what I do sometimes, I've just been sat on, I'm watching TV or something and there's like an emotional scene in the TV. I'll pause the TV and literally for like two minutes be the character, like as if I was like complete intense going into random characters completely like crying your eyes out, doing whatever you need to do realistically. Um, and that is, that is just, I do that. I don't know, maybe like randomly, maybe once every three or four days, just, it might not be anything like particularly emotional. It might just be a random conversation or you've just caught your girlfriend cheating on you. You've won the lottery or something, but it's something that I do about every three of, I don't know. I don't know how often I do it, wow. but it's just kind of like, it's just like training basically. Um, and um, acting is, I mean, Whenever, if you're presenting, you're acting, but if you're acting, you're not presenting to an extent, if you get me. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah, so I, I just think, yeah, 
I'm sorry, I'm going on a little bit with this one, but um, wow, no, it's fine. That's really interesting. It's just something I'm quite passionate about. Is um, it's something I do quite often. I really think it's helped me be able to, you know, if I, you know, I can sort of cry a lot easier on cue because of um, having practiced that and stuff. And I think that's um, that's an uh, an invaluable um, an invaluable thing to do. Also, um, practice. I would say practice um, your accents because accents are always really, really important. And if you can do an accent perfectly. Um, then it's just another really impressive thing. And, yeah, I guess maybe start practising learning lines in um, the technique that I use, which is uh, read the first line, then look up and say the first line, then um, then say the first line, then read the second line, then say them both, if you get me, so you kind of build it up a line at a time. OK, and you don't go ahead until you you've known all the lines leading up to that point so yeah sometimes if i'm learning a monologue i won't i won't read the monologue i will it'll, i'll learn it line at a time so i uh, the first time i'm reading the last line of the monologue is after i know every other line if you get me it really helps the the story build in your head i think powerful powerful so firstly practice characters even while you're watching tv pick a character spend a few minutes really intensely going into that character yeah that's fantastic and i i know i read once that it takes ten thousand hours to become to master a craft to become an expert on something so if you're taking that kind of time out even in your regular day when you're not practicing you know in a, in a traditional setting of an audition or a uh, acting lesson that's going to give you those extra hours so that's powerful secondly practice accents which yeah uh i i personally i like to think i'm good but my fiance tells me otherwise Oh, really? <laughs> so she says my Liverpool and Scottish sound exactly the same. So I'm working on it. Fun, funny enough, actually, there's, 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 some, there's some parts of um, Liverpool and Scotland that do sound the same, actually, I think, because of some influx of Scots a little while ago. I don't know. I'm talking rubbish. Do you know what? I'm going to say that next time it comes yeah, up. Yeah, I, I think it. there is some there. I think there's a... a I, I, am pro- I, think, I think, like, in, like... No, oh, um, yeah, I'll, sh- I'll shut up. <laughs> no, but you I'm say it. That. You I'm use it. You that. use it. I'm like, well, actually, honey, Tiger. Tiger yeah, yeah. <laughs> There was an influx in the '90s of. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So practice accents, and then finally, when you're reading your scripts, break them down line by line. Read the first one, look, say it without looking, then the second one, and build it up. Sort yeah. of like um, those like that shopping list game you used to play. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I was always really good at that. Powerful. So you've taken that method and put that into your own. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I and mean, I know you only asked for three, but I've just thought of one more thing. Is Please then, go for it. Is put yourself in as many um, different places um, as you can at as many different times because it is all about being in the right place at the right time. If I hadn't auditioned for that part in that school play, um, then I probably wouldn't be here because I wouldn't have seen the agent. So I think, you know, ultimately put, put yourself out there in as many different opportunities so as many people can see you doing what you want to do. And that's just another way you can really kind of um, extrapolate your chances of success I guess powerful and I think also for the audience from listening to your story not only put yourself out there but put yourself out there early like I'm sure when you were nine years old you weren't nearly as good as you are now no I mean no, no I watch I am um, no I watch old episodes about numbered and stuff and I really I I do feel like I've come on a long way in terms of my actual levels of skill yeah powerful so see tiger could have waited until he was this age and this good to start auditioning and start getting his shows but instead nine years old got up into his school play and got involved please listeners 
take advantage of the opportunities around you now. Don't wait to be the finished article before you start doing whatever your your goal or your craft is. Start right now and you'll grow with it as you go. So that's powerful, especially at the age of nine years old. Massive. So finally, you're still on stage in front of 10,000 young people. You're only allowed to give one piece of advice before you're dragged off stage by the guys in suits. Right. What would it be? I would say um, have uh, the graciousness to to understand your flaws and understand what you don't have, but um, but have the knowledge that those things aren't set in stone and that you you are more than capable of, of changing anything. Powerful, powerful. Thank you very much. And before we let you go, how can our audience, our listeners, get in contact with you? Well, they can get in touch with me on Twitter at T-Y-G-E-R, at Tiger. Um, or they can get in touch uh, via my management at Curtis Brown. Awesome. And I will get both of those links up on the show notes page. If you go to aimlittlehigher.com and look for Tiger's episode, all the details will be there so you can get in contact. Tiger, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute honour to have you on the show. No worries, Kamal. Thanks, man. Nice to speak to you. Definitely, definitely. I look forward to uh, speaking to you again and hearing some of these accents and watching you do this Rubik's Cube. <laughs> yeah, right, cool. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can surround yourself with eagles or chickens and you spent time with the true eagle, Mr. Tiger, Drew Honey and Kamal Hyman. Continue to aim a little higher and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. You could have been anywhere in the world doing absolutely anything listening to any show, but you chose to listen to the Aim A Little Higher podcast and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Please be sure to like, review and subscribe to the podcast. And if you haven't already, get over to www.aimalittlehigher.com, fill in your details into the form and receive your free video on how to find your passion. To be in for the chance of winning a free Aim a Little Higher shirt, get over to aimlittlehigh.com, fill out the form and then submit your question for the Saturday Q&A. The winning questions will be answered in their very own podcast on Saturday and you will also receive a free shirt sent directly to you.